I'm going to follow on from last week's message, as Mao mentioned. We're talking about new beginnings. And I shared last week about the fact that we believe God is bringing us into a new season as a church. And it's an exciting season and a, a, a new beginning. Now, as I said last week, doesn't mean that God's changed his plan for us as a church. We are still a church that believes that we are, are here to live like Jesus lived. We're here as a mission to love God, love each other, and love the community we live in. That has not changed. To be honest with you, I don't exactly know what this new beginning is going to look like. I don't know what this new season holds. The thing that I do know is that God has a good plan. God has a great plan for us as a church. And part of this new season is God fulfilling that plan that he established many years ago for us as a church. To be a church that impacts our community and, and makes inroads and brings people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I, as I shared last week, we can gain great comfort from the story in Joshua 1 of the children of Israel as they move from the wilderness into the promised land. And so today I'm going to continue on with that. But firstly, why don't we pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're doing something. As we sang today, you never stop working. You never stop moving. Even sometimes when we're not sure what's going to come next, you're always working and doing and, and moving things for our benefit. Lord God, I pray that we would hear your word today and we would be transformed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapter 1 of Joshua, we spoke last week, chapter 1, was the chapter where God said, be strong and courageous. Anyone remember that? And it talks about obey the word, uh, the word of God, you know, make sure you have it on your, your lips and meditate on it and do what it says. We talked about that and, and that was where they were at chapter 1. Today I want to go a couple of chapters later to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, we find the children of Israel standing at a point of their greatest challenge to date. You see, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, after 40 years of living in the desert, all of a sudden they stand at the edge of the land that God has promised them. The promised land is there. They can see it. They probably can even smell it. They can, they, they can look across the Jordan River and they can see the land that God has promised them. Uh, but there's one problem. The season that they find themselves in is the season when the Jordan River is in flood. And so all of a sudden, they can literally see what God has called them to, but there's this river between them, the Jordan River, that's in flood. And there's no bridges, there's no boats, there's literally no way they can get across this river. But in their ears, they hear God saying, be strong. And courageous for I am with you they can hear God saying I'm going to give you the land that I promised to your ancestors but right before them there's this massive river we're going to read what the children of Israel's leaders said to them at this time in Joshua 3 verses 1 and 4 so it says in the early in the morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim 
and went to, to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. It says here, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. So they've been camped here for three days, probably thinking, how are we going to get over this river? What's the plan? They're probably strategizing, thinking, how can we do this? What, what are we going to do? And then it says, giving orders to the people. So this is what they come up with. This is their plan. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you, will, then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark, do not go near it. You see, it says in this passage, the Israelites had never been in this place before. This was a, a new place for them. But God gives them clear instructions. What, what does it say through the leaders? It says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant. So it's very clear. God's saying, when you see. So what's he saying to them? Keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Now this is an amazing picture that God gives us. And we can apply it to our lives today. Because the Bible teaches us that the Ark of the Covenant to the Jews was the place where the Spirit of God dwelt. That's where they, they knew that the presence of God dwelt. So they, what God is saying to them, if you keep your eyes on me, if you keep your eyes on where I am, then you will know where to go. I will lead you and guide you and you will follow me to where you need to be. You see, the fact is, at the same time, the Israelites still had this massive obstacle in front of them. The River Jordan in flood. And in many ways, I feel like we're a little bit like them. You see, God's spoken to us as a church and said, God, I'm bringing you into a new season. It's a time of new beginnings. But the fact is, there are still massive obstacles in front of us. The obstacles that sometimes might seem overwhelming. Even just this last week, on Friday, they talked about reintroducing restrictions. And so all of it, we're still in this place where we don't know what tomorrow holds. There could still be new restrictions come in. Heaven forbid they could still lock us down again like they've done in Melbourne. Who knows? We don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. The fact is we're still in an economic recession. Isn't that right? We're still in this place where some of us have lost jobs and some of us are finding it really difficult. And that's hard. We still live in a world that is showing global instability everywhere there's nation against nation there's all sorts of things happening in our world that is just going what is tomorrow going to bring I guess closer to, to home for us as a church we feel called to love our community but at the same time we think God how are we going to reach our community because there are so many problems in the community we live in you look around this community and we see people with mental illness. We see people with drug abuse problems. We see people, families that are breaking down. We see people that are in domestic violence situations. We see families that have had generational unemployment in their, in their families for years and years and years. And we think, God, how can we actually help them? Isn't that right? You see the overwhelming problems out there and you think, how can we make a difference? The thing is, 
God gives the answer in verse 5 of Joshua, chapter 3. And he gives it through Joshua when Joshua says to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I believe this is God's word to us as a church right now. You see, in this statement, Joshua makes both an order and a promise. And the fulfillment of this promise is dependent on their obedience to the order. You see, some of God's promises to us are unconditional. God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's an unconditional promise. If we believe, we'll receive it. While other promises God gives us do have certain conditions. But it's important for us to remember that meeting these conditions... When we're faced with meeting these conditions, we're not earning God's blessing. We're simply making sure our hearts are ready for God's blessing. We know, I, I don't know about you, but I know many times in my life when I've missed God's blessing because I haven't been ready for it. Anyone else found themselves in a place like that? Many times people in our world have missed God's blessing because God is wanting to bless us. God is wanting to pour out his favour upon us. God's heart is to give. But sometimes when we're not prepared for it, when we haven't got our hearts ready, we miss what God is going to do. So today I want to talk about it because if we're saying consecrate yourselves, what does that mean? If God's calling us to consecrate ourselves... That's a pretty, sounds like a pretty full-on thing, is that right? Well, what does that mean for us today? Simply, the definition of consecrate is simply to, de- to dedicate something or somebody to a specific purpose. To dedicate something or somebody to a specific pers- purpose. Now, this word in the Hebrew can also be translated sanctify, which simply implies to make something that was unclean, clean, or to make something that was unholy, holy. Now, in our passage that we're reading this, the setting that God is declaring this is more of a symbolic gesture than a, an actual changing something that was unholy to holy. It's, not, it's more like this week at gig, I had the privilege of dedicating a baby to the Lord. And it's that kind of mentality that we acknowledge that we acknowledge that this baby is a gift from God and that God has a purpose for it and as parents we dedicate ourselves to raising the child in the ways of the Lord. You see this is the type of thing it's talking about it's about a dedication and a commitment to keeping your eyes on what God has called us to. In the Old Testament when they talked about consecration it usually involved a ceremonial ritual And the ritual was usually involved bathing. It involved washing all your clothes and making them clean, washing yourself, making yourself clean, and getting yourself ready for what God is about to do. And you think of this. The Israelites have just wandered 40 years in the desert. How many times do you reckon they had washed in the desert in that 40 years? Not many you can imagine they have been, that water is pretty scarce in a desert, isn't that right? So I don't know if the Canaanites could smell them coming. I don't know what it was. But, but who knows 
uh, when the last time they would have actually washed. And this is the thing, God has put a river in flood before them. So he's provided an abundance of water for them to wash, wash their clothes, get themselves clean. And it was viewed as a symbolic moment of starting in a new direction or in a new stage of life. It was an act of obedience that came out of a sense of anticipation for what God was about to do. Often in the New Testament, we see this similar sort of concept. It was a real Jewish cultural mindset. In the early, in this epistles, Paul often wrote about when you start a new life, you strip off the old and put on the new. Isn't that right? He talks about washing ourselves and making ourselves clean through the water of the word. And so there's this idea where, where there's a, a mindset that where we're symbolically anticipating that God is going to do something different, that God is going to do something new. And we act in a way to show that we believe something is changing. But this is really important. We sang about this today, which is amazing. But we talked about the heart. And the importance of this act is not so much the act, but that the act is a symbolic change of something that's going on inside, at our heart level, inside of us. So it's not just a ritual, it's actually a heart change. And so the children of Israel were showing when they washed their clothes and when they washed themselves, this showing, because this you have to understand this was a whole new generation coming through. And in some ways they're saying to God, we're not like the old generation who didn't, who aren't going to see the promised land, who have passed away in the desert because they didn't believe you could bring them into the promised land. We are a new generation and we believe that you're going to do something for us, that you are going to bring us into the land. So we're going to actually wash our clothes and wash ourselves to show that we're showing you our full attention, that we're drawing close to you, that, that we're making ourselves available to you. We're getting ready for what you're going to do. You see, getting ready for God is not a casual thing. It requires action. There's a great picture of this in the New Testament. When Jesus was about to come into his ministry, John the Baptist, God sends John the Baptist to what? To prepare a way, it says in Mark 1, verse 3. It says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. That's what John the Baptist was called to do. What was John doing? He was saying um, that God is coming. Pay attention you Israelites, get ready, be prepared for something special, get ready for the new thing God is about to do. It's really interesting that John the Baptist also baptised people in water for that purpose, to get a clean start, a new start. And this is, this is important for us, so for us in this day and age, we don't follow ceremonial laws anymore. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. Isn't that right? So although we don't follow these type of laws, I still believe there's a place for consecration in our lives. There's a place for consecrating ourselves to show us the fruits, to show God and the world around us the fruits of our salvation. To show us and to show the world around us that God has changed us within to show us what God has done for us in making us righteous through his righteousness. 
So I believe we're still called to be consecrated to God because we are still called to very simply be set apart for a purpose. God has called us to be set apart for a purpose. So just like the Israelites, God is telling us as a church and as individuals that he, is, he has a plan, that we are entering a new season. So it makes sense that we need to prepare our hearts to get our hearts ready for this amazing new season that God has for us. Church, I believe it's time for God, for us to consecrate ourselves to God. And that requires action on our behalf. We're not going to form ceremonial washing rituals or anything like that, but there is much we can do in this day and age, in this age of grace, to dedicate ourselves to God and to show God our hearts are towards him. Let me share with you some ways that we are called to consecrate ourselves. I shared this a lot last week, so I'm not going to go into it to a lot of detail now, but we can consecrate ourselves through the word of God. It says in Psalm 119 verses 9 to 11, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You can see in this passage that idea of devoting yourself, dedicating yourself to the word of God. We talked about it last week. Let it be on your lips. Let it be the meditation of your mouth and actually put into practice what God is saying. In John 15, 3, Jesus said these words, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You see, Jesus' words have a sense where we wash ourselves in God's word. That's what Paul talks about often, washing yourselves in the word of God. That as we read the word of God, it focuses us. It gets us focused on what really matters. It it, it, it consecrates us for God's purpose. Other ways that we can consecrate ourselves is through prayer and fasting. We, the, Jesus did this before he went into his ministry. He spent 40 days in prayer and fasting, the Bible tells us. And there's times in our life where we devote ourselves, we consecrate ourselves, we dedicate ourselves to a greater prayer life, to making time in our day for God specifically for God and sometimes that can include fasting some of you go what what do you mean by fasting fasting is simply putting aside something to put your focus on God so one way we fast is to fast with food so we say we're going to skip a meal a day and during the time we would normally eat the meal we'll spend focusing on God and that, that's why food is so good because we get hungry. Isn't that right? And you can remember, why am I hungry? Oh, because I'm fasting. Why am I fasting? Because I want to consecrate myself to God. I want to put my attention on God. I want to dedicate myself to God. And so it's a, it's a powerful way for us to consecrate ourselves. And it doesn't just have to be food, though. Maybe it's about fasting your favorite TV show. And dedicating that time when you're watching, I won't say any TV shows, I don't want to embarrass anyone. But when you're watching that show, 
and you say, I'm going to spend time praying and seeking God, thank goodness MasterChef's finished now, so I don't have to fast that. But, um, but maybe it's something like that. Maybe, it's, maybe for some of you Port supporters out there, you want to fast football at the moment, <laughs> watching the power after last night's shamozzle. <laughs> uh, just give me something, Joe. Give me something. Um, David Burford's very happy, though, up the back. But the fact is, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. That's very true. But maybe it is sport. Maybe it's something that really means a lot to you. And you say, I'm going to lay that aside for a time to put my full attention on God. That's how we can consecrate ourselves. Other ways, we can consecrate consecrate ourselves through giving now obviously there's financial giving that we can do we make an extra effort to say god i'm i'm giving more for for you giving to others giving to church whatever but it's not just financially maybe it's giving our time giving our time to others giving our our resource one of our most valuable resources in this day and age is our time isn't that right we're all time poor and so we say god i'm going to give you my time I'm going to give you an hour out of my day or half an hour out of my day to consecrate, to dedicate myself, to get ready for what you're going to do. We can consecrate ourselves through fellowship. We've talked about this a lot over the last few weeks as we've come back together as a church. But the the coming back together is for the purpose of, do you remember what it is? For the purpose of, come on. Spurring each other on, encouraging one another. So when we come together like this, we can encourage and build each other up and and help one another and and stir one another up. And that's a way we can consecrate ourselves through fellowship. When we meet together, we can spur each other on. How are you going in in your relationship with God? How are you going? What have you learned from the Bible this week? So it actually is a, a form of consecration. Finally, through service. Service, uh, and I I gave you one way you could provide service this week by helping in kids' church or kids' club. Actually devoting time to get involved in something. And it's not just for the sake of doing something, but when we're doing it, we're saying we're doing this as if we're doing it to God. It's making us focus on the things of God. It's making us pay attention you know this week we start back with pop-up as I said now we're going to we're only got a max of a hundred so we're changing things up a bit but one thing that we want to do is we've got 12 new round tables that we're going to put around this hall which will seat about 96 people and we want a church person or a church volunteer on each of those tables and their specific purpose is to share the gospel is to create conversation, is to to talk with others. And when I'm up the front or one of the other guys is up the front sharing something of the gospel, they're going to leave leave it with a question that you can discuss and talk about at the table. So if we're talking about who is Jesus, then a question might be at the end, have you ever thought that Jesus was more than just a man? And then there's a facilitator on each table that facilitates that discussion. And who knows, there may be an opportunity to introduce someone to, to Jesus in that moment. You see, that's what we want to do, but we need people to help. So if you go, that's something I could do, 
I'm good at talking, I'm good at chatting, then come and talk to me. I'd love to get you onto one of those tables to be sharing your faith and, and, and just building relationships with people. You see, these are the ways we can consecrate ourselves. Now you'll notice in all these things, I haven't mentioned once about the sin areas of our lives. Often when we talk about consecration, we, we uh, like to focus on, well, I need to cut this out of my life. I, you know, I need to make my, I'm unholy, I've been doing the wrong thing, so I need to start doing the right thing. And so I need to get rid of this sin problem in my life or this sin area of my life. But we need to understand that when we consecrate ourselves, what we're doing is we're making a deliberate choice to focus on the things of God rather than the struggles of our flesh. You see, we must remember that it is the Holy Spirit who ultimately enables us to live holy lives. You see, Galatians chapter 5 says very clearly and explains that the only way we will ever overcome the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. Remember the leader's command to the children of Israel in the first few verses? When you see the ark moving, so when you're focused on God, you see the ark, you know where to go, you know the direction to take. And Galatians makes it very clear that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It actually tells us that we will begin to produce, what does it say? The fruits of the Spirit. So the, our attention is not on our sin, our attention is on God. When our attention is so full of God, we won't have time for the sin in our lives. Let me show you. Let's read this passage because you go, well, I'm not sure about this. Well, let's read it. It's pretty clear what Paul is saying. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Sounds a bit like church, doesn't it? No, no, it doesn't sound like church. Um, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of walking in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace. This sounds more like church, doesn't it? Yes. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. In other words, those who are devoted and dedicated and consecrated to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, walking in the Spirit requires our full dedication. It requires a consecrated life to keep in step 
with God. It's like marching to keep in time with God, to keep in step with God, to keep in step with his word requires our full attention. We need to consecrate ourselves to do it. The, the fact is, if we give it our full attention, if it's taking all our focus, then we won't have time for anything else, like the works of the flesh. We won't have time for, for anger and jealousies and all of those things because we're too focused on God and the result is the fruits of the Spirit. This is really simple, but I think it's profound at the same time. The things we focus on get our attention. The things we focus on are the things that get our attention. So in other words, as Joshua said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. If we put our attention on consecrating ourselves, dedicating ourselves, putting our full attention on God, then we won't have time for anything else. See, God has amazing plans for you and me. He has amazing plans for this church. And I, I, I know it, I sense it, I sense he's wanting to do something new. But he's not, he doesn't have these amazing plans because we're worthy. He doesn't have these amazing plans because we're particularly skilled and, and capable. He, he doesn't have a, these amazing plans because we're these great people. He has this amazing plan because he is a good God who wants to bless us and who wants to do amazing things. And this good God says that it's time for us to put our focus fully on him. See, I believe God wants to do amazing things amongst us. That he wants to show us his grace and his power in ways that we have never seen before. He wants to take us places we've never been. And I believe our lives will be changed as we consecrate ourselves and say, God, I put into action these things because I'm ready for what you want to do. I, and the thing is, what's the most amazing thing is that I believe God will be uplifted in this place. God will be worshipped and obeyed like never before and people in our community will come to know him, not because we're anything special, but because God is doing amazing things. And we're ready for what he wants to do. You see, in our story, in Joshua 3, if you continue to read it, you'll discover on the next day, God parted the Jordan River just like he parted the Red Sea. And, but this time he did it without Moses. And this is the amazing thing is that all of a sudden, they see God miraculously take them into the promised land where they're about to, as they were obedient and consecrated themselves to God, God worked miracles and God did something they could never imagine or conceive. And this is what God does when we consecrate ourselves, when we make our hearts ready, when we say, God, we're ready for your blessing, we're ready for what you want to do, we're ready for your plan. God sees those hearts and he comes and brings strength to them. You see, our responsibility is simply to consecrate ourselves, to be prepared, to be available, to be ready to be used, to be in the right place, facing in the right direction, focused with our eyes 
on the right things and with our hearts open to respond, ready to respond, ready to follow, ready to go where God wants us to go because we know something is happening. God is doing a new thing. As Joshua said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Church, I want us to get ready today. And there's, there's no greater way we can be reminded of, of what we're consecrated to than the sacrament of communion. You see, Jesus implemented communion with these powerful words that we, we, we are reminded of every time we, we share it is do this in remembrance of me. In that moment, why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus wanted to keep us focused. Jesus wanted to keep us reminded of what we're called to, that we're called to be consecrated to him, that we're called to be dedicated to him, we're called to be fully focused on him, with all our attention on him. He's saying, don't forget what you're dedicated to. Do this in remembrance of me, what I've done for you. Don't forget that I did it for you so that you could be dedicated to me. Stay focused on me, the one who makes you righteous. Remember me, the one that you've been consecrated to for a purpose. The one you've been dedicated to for a purpose. You have set yourself apart to follow me and obey my purposes. So today we're going to share communion. I'm going to ask the usher. So what we're going to do is going to get you to come up and get your emblems. We're not going to pass them along for obvious reasons, but the ladies are here. If if you'd like to um, sanitise before that, David's got the sanitizer. He'll come up as well. So you can sanitise if you feel more comfortable with that. But I want us to all be upstanding. And I'm just going to ask section by section to come up and to get your emblems. You can grab your cup as they're nice and evenly spaced. The ladies will place a cracker in the palm of your hand. So if you just put your palm out, they'll drop it into the palm of your hand. But this is the moment. This And it, you know, in some ways I like it like this because there's a certain sacredness to it that we're coming out, we're acting and we're saying we're coming to receive communion with you, Lord. We're coming to receive and to remind ourselves that we're consecrated to you. We're making a fresh commitment at this time to say, God, I put my full attention on you. I put my heart towards you. God, I, I, I look at you right now and I make, the decision that wherever you want to take me, I will go. That you're doing a new thing. You're doing something new. And I'm on board. I want to be a part of it. And I understand that it requires an action from me, but I'm willing to do it. So I'm going to ask this side to come out first and just line up for your communion. This side can come forward. We'll leave the middle to after the other sides have done it. So just grab your communion and head back to your seat.
if the middle section wants to come across and start to grab your communion as well, you can come this side as well, either side. haven't got your communion you're welcome to come up and grab it I don't want to miss anyone in our hands we hold the symbol of what God was prepared to do for us the challenge is ours now are we prepared to give our all to him to put our full attention on Him, to consecrate ourselves to Him, to dedicate ourselves to Him, to say, God, I, I put my attention to walking in the Spirit, to walking in step with You. I want us to take a moment before we eat and drink to make a fresh commitment, to make a fresh decision, to say, God, I've heard Your Word today. And I consecrate myself afresh to you. Why don't you pray right now? Lord God, I thank you that you want to do amazing things. You have already done amazing things for us, but you're not finished. You still have great things to do in our lives and in our community and in our church. And God, I stand here making a fresh commitment to put my focus and our focus fully on you, to consecrate ourselves afresh to you, to acknowledge that you've called us to this place and we accept your call to live for your purpose and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we eat and drink in Jesus' name?